Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions, and that where you sit depends on where you stand, the challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, we spoke about global investing and how, apart from emerging markets, the whole notion of international versus domestic has changed. Instead of targeting a certain percentage of foreign companies, for example, given that most companies are now global in nature, it's better to simply think of best in class, meaning the company with the fastest growth, greatest innovation, or most talented management, regardless of where they're located or the ultimate geographical location on a map. That simply is what it is. Today's topic is about bonds and whether they still have a place in portfolios. In this podcast, we want to start by recognizing that governments, like businesses, have a capital structure and that one of our greatest achievements here in the United States was Alexander Hamilton creating both a central bank and a monetary system to finance the country after its independence. And then after the crash in 1929 during the Great Depression, President Roosevelt helped by creating FDIC insurance so people could trust their money would be safe in our own banks when trust was in short supply and bankruptcy was prolific. So how does this relate to the bond market? A bond is a security, an instrument whereby a lender provides money to a borrower for a given rate at a fixed or variable rate of interest, and the borrower promises to repay the loan's principal by a certain date while paying the lender interest until maturity. Interest rates, or better known as yields, fluctuate daily, and investors buy and sell bonds, either newly issued or on a secondary market, as they want or need liquidity prior to maturity. And whether either corporations or governments issue new debt, it's generally priced in relation to all other similar and outstanding debt based on the entity's ability to pay and demand for the issue at that point in time. Municipalities, like cities and states, also issue bonds. And according to the Constitution and a principle known as reciprocity, the federal government has agreed not to tax the income earned from interest on those bonds if the states don't tax that of federally issued debt, which they don't. In other words, an investor in municipal bonds earns interest tax-free, making it especially attractive for a state's residents. This topic is so important because clients come to us with specific goals and a reasonable expectation that some or all of their investments will be safe low risk, or even risk-free. And yet, when we spoke about golden rules in our podcast on asset allocation, that is, if one's allocation to bonds should still be based on formulas like the old 60-40 rule, we said 
these have little meaning anymore when returns on bonds are zero or less. Nevertheless, when we talk about bonds and risk, the benchmark is widely considered to be the U.S. Treasury bill, which is U.S. government debt issued with up to one-year maturity and because the strength and size of our economy and the U.S. still being the world's reserve currency and our government's ability to tax and print money to meet its obligations, treasury bills are considered the risk-free rate of return. Risk-free rate of return and every other type of bond, loan, or security, including mortgages, are priced relative to them based on the entity's outstanding debt, ability to pay, issue size, and maturity date. And going back to your mention of capital structure, all this is relevant because in order to lend money to homeowners, small business, or to fund infrastructure, companies and governments must sooner or later match assets and liabilities like payroll and payments to suppliers. We point this out because when people think about the markets, it's often presumed we're talking about stock when the truth is the global market in bonds dwarfs that of stock. And since 9-11, the Great Recession, and when it comes to debt, by far the worst, the COVID pandemic, the level of debt and need for governments and corporations to borrow has exploded. So the question again, is now a good time to invest new money in bonds? Well, we believe that a certain part or percent of your investments must be safe, liquid, and easily accessible for short-term cash needs and unexpected events like illness and job loss. We do think, however, that many investors have a false sense of security when it comes to bonds, because the fact is that over the past 30 years, bonds have outperformed a number of other asset classes because interest rates declined with only brief and relatively minor corrections from the high teens during the late 70s and early 1980s. That's right, because interest rates and bond prices move inverse to one another like a seesaw. When interest rates rise, bond prices fall, and vice versa. When rates fall, as they have almost inexorably over the last 30 or 40 years, bonds have risen in value and given stock a run for its money. People have forgotten, however, that here in the U.S., and perhaps the EU and even Germany, which promised never to let it happen again, what rapidly rising inflation and prices can do to destroy monetary value. So yes, we're concerned that sometime over the next decade, some level of continuing rising prices and inflation will make bonds lose a substantial amount of value, or at least subject holders to interest rate purchasing power, and credit risk, as both companies and municipalities are unable to print money like the federal government can and can't meet all of their obligations, like what happened in Orange County, California in 1994. In other words, for anything other than short-term needs, the answer to my question is no. And we, in fact, have been spending a lot of our time looking for investments which have real or tangible value that have the potential to go up even with rising rates due to inflation or not, while also paying, in some cases, some sort of dividend or interest on a periodic basis for those who need current income. But we must note, these investments may not offer the same level of liquidity or provide the same certainty of return of one's investment by a certain point in time as bonds have traditionally done, and therefore they pose a different kind of risk, which may not be suitable for all. 
This search has taken us into the world of alternative investments, which includes everything from hedge funds to private equity and venture capital, from REITs to precious metals and Bitcoin, and therefore is a topic too broad to cover in a single podcast. So next week, please join us when we'll start with hedge funds. Well, before we go, one of our listeners, thank you very much, from last week's podcast on global investing asked which emerging markets, if any, we'd recommend. And the answer is we like a number of them. China for some may be difficult because of their history of human rights abuses, theft of our intellectual property, hacking into our databases, and the military buildup in the South China Sea. But China's growth, size, and influence and impact on the global economy today is undeniable. And other than that, we like countries like Brazil and India despite the pandemic, and in Asia, Pacific, both Taiwan and Vietnam, and Israel. All are noteworthy due to their younger demographics, growing middle class, being earlier in their spending or consumption cycle, which are very long-term in nature, than most developed nations, and to the strides they're making in education and their standard of living. Thanks for the question. And if you have others, please reach out to either Lori or me. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammy for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC and advisory services through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunity to reference herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and any investment opportunity referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable, and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and they do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.